Peak Performance Plus presents the Summit Club Podcast, your business roundtable discussion for sales and business leaders with your host, Bill Stats. Welcome to the Summit Club, a business roundtable, and today's podcast, which will prove to be an interesting glimpse, if you will, of the impact of the pandemic on two very special sales leaders. I'm your host, Bill Stats, and I'm with Senior Summit Club Roundtable contributor, John Thane. Glad to be here. Hey, John. This is going to be interesting because we'll have two two different conversations with sales leaders. You know, as you already know from the previously recorded interviews we did with Dina Romer-Herman from Beasley Media Group, and for those out there you don't know, you know who that is, but trust me, you know. It's a company that owns WMMR, WMGK. 97.5, 97.5, The Fanatic, 95.7, Ben FM, and 92.5, Tree. So that's Dina Romer-Herman, Beasley Media Group, and then Robert Corcoran, who's had experience as a sales leader with Oracle, SAP, BMC, and now from WalkMe, the leader in the digital adoption platform. I'm not sure I know what that means, but I'm sure Robert will explain it. Taking advantage of their insights into the selling environment over these past 18 months, their reactions and adjustments to it can be invaluable to those of our listeners who are either in sales or sales leadership. Jeez, I'm really looking forward to this, Bill. The pandemic, we all know the pain. The thing that's great about winning in our society is beyond the pain and suffering, they find the silver linings, they find the positive opportunities, and they turn tragedy into victory. So I'm really excited to hear what Dina and Robert have to say. I agree with you. It was really a special time for both of us. So here we go. Let's get right to it and listen in on our interview with Dina. Hi, Dina. Great to have you with us today on SummitClubPodcast.com. So if you could share with JT and I, your observations or lessons or experiences from these past 17 to 18 trying months of selling during the COVID-19 pandemic. Give us, give us your view. So it's definitely been quite an experience, one that I could have never imagined. Um, but I think that despite a lot of the difficulties, a lot of the challenges, I do look back and recognize that there are what I would call some COVID keepers. Some things that we learned that we did differently, that I did differently throughout this pandemic period of time where I, that I actually found to be beneficial and things that I now really make part of my regular practice, my everyday work life. You know, it's sort of it's important to kind of take away some of those things and say, you know what, I, I got something good out of this. I learned some things from this. There's some things I want to hold on to as hopefully we move towards or past this pandemic. So let me ask you a question, just because I, I think that's really an interesting point. Was it something that you realized at the time when you did it and went, wow, it worked, it worked a lot better than I thought it did? Or was it something on reflection that it was like, I don't know, a week, a month, whatever later is saying, gosh, I should do more. That's really something that I need to kind of file away into my my toolbox or my briefcase. I think it was something I recognized pretty early on. So I guess to be more specific, the COVID keeper that to me is the most evident, the most obvious for my 
process and how I work. You know, we I'm in sales and I travel a lot. I drive from client to client. I spend a lot of time typically in my car. You know, could be an hour to get somewhere and then an hour to meet with somebody and then an hour to drive home. And I really was enjoyed the time that I spent with clients on Zoom, meeting with them via computer. Um, I had done a bit of it in the past prior to the pandemic, more through conference calls and applications like Join Me, but it was not face-to-face on camera. It was more voice only where I would also um, be able to share my screen. And I'd done a bit of it. Um, It was not something that a lot of clients were familiar with doing. So I'd have to spend a bit of time training them on how to do it. So for me, this is when when I'm talking about a COVID keeper, I'm, you know, one of the first things that comes to mind for me is conducting meetings via Zoom. I had done a bit of it in the past, not specifically via the Zoom application, but with something called Join Me. A lot of my clients are you know, outside of the Philadelphia region. And I would conduct meetings via Join Me where it was a conference call where I could share my screen. But it was not something that clients were particularly familiar with. There was definitely some apprehension on their part in terms of using it. When we entered this pandemic land and people had transitioned to Zoom, I, you know, jumped right in and I found it to be really beneficial for a number of different reasons. One of them is that, you know, when you're meeting with someone face to face, you definitely, you know, you're, you go to their office, you can see what's, you know, what they have in their office, but there's lots of other people around and there's lots of other things going on. You have an opportunity to kind of survey the scene, but it's an office. When you're on Zoom and during this pandemic specifically on Zoom, we were in people's homes and that's a different level of connection that, you know, you were able to that enabled me to really build relationships beyond, I think, where I was even able to do what I was able to do before in person. When you're on a Zoom and you have your kids home from school and they run onto the screen, it makes you human. When you're on Zoom and your dog barks, it makes you human. And it also gives (laughs) you something to, to talk about and to engage with a client about beyond just, it enables you essentially to build rapport. And I found that it allowed people who were typically more standoffish, maybe at one time, or just a bit more, you know, strictly professional. I think it was a time where people let their guard down a little bit, where we all recognized our humanity, where we all recognized that we are more than this one dimensional work person. And we have a whole colorful life behind us. And we were able to a glimpse of that and recognize that in other people. And to me, it really allowed for deeper connection, deeper relationships. I think a lot of times we get very, you know, you see someone in just one space and you forget the humanity in it. And I appreciated how much Zoom allowed for that to take place. So that to me was a really big COVID keeper. I've continued to have meetings on Zoom. I did uh, just a few weeks ago go on a client appointment where I drove to the appointment. And I have to say, like, it was three plus hours of my day, two of which was spent driving. I could have fit three meetings in, in that time. And so it felt like 
Um, it was not as efficient as I've come to be through this process. You know, in one I used to do two meetings a day. I can do five, six meetings a day, which I have been doing. And that really has been helpful in terms of productivity. It's It's been helpful in terms of just drumming up business, which is not as simple to do now as it was pre-COVID. It's given me an opportunity to just have more time in my day. And especially during COVID where so many people were working crazy hours, funny schedules, managing kids and homeschooling and working full time, it kind of enabled me to stretch my day and not waste time traveling from one place to another. So in that aspect, it was also really, really helpful to be able to video conference with people. I think there's there's a lot to take away from for me about you know how I'm moving forward in conducting business. I'm glad that people have been receptive to doing meetings still on Zoom. And I think a lot of my clients recognize like, wow, this is as connected, even though it's over a screen and it's really efficient. Very interesting. You know, it's you bring up some interesting points, but I can't help but think Zoom is actually, it's become a part of everybody's vocabulary. A year ago or 18 months ago, probably only 10% of the world knew what, what Zoom was and what it represented. It, it certainly has come to the forefront and Really, in a lot of ways, many of us who may not have used Zoom as a tool for years to come have incorporated it into our daily lives. And you saying that it's increased your productivity, you know, as I was listening to you, I was calculating the hours it took you for live appointments and how much more productive you were able to be when you're working with Zoom. How has your workday changed? Obviously, you're more productive, but when you're working now predominantly from home, how is that affected your productivity and just your schedule and life in general? So when my, it's interesting, it's, it's my opinion of it has changed a lot, but I think it's changed a lot based on how circumstances have changed. When the pandemic first began and my kids were home full time, my husband works full time as well. We both work in pretty demanding jobs and we split our day. My husband would work from 6 a.m. until 1 p.m. and I would be with my kids. And then I would work from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. We would have dinner, we would put our kids to bed, and we would continue working until midnight, 1 a.m. And I joke about this, but it happened. Like we'd meet for a drink in the kitchen, like say, hi, <laughs> hey, how are you? And that was our life for many, many, many months. I, during that time, I missed the office a lot because for me, it's all about concentration and it was hard to concentrate, even though, even though he was watching our kids, I, they would still come in here. They would still disrupt. It was still crazy. When my kids went back to school and I had my regular, not regular, but almost regular hours uh, or more regular, I should say. And I was able to work from 8.30 until at least four when they came home. I really appreciated working from home. I was able to walk around and switch out my laundry while I was on a phone call. I was able to start dinner while I was on a phone call. I, I was able to kind of manage like work-life balance in a lot of ways got better. And then in some ways I would say got worse in the sense that I ended up working many more hours or many 
longer hours into the day because, you know, my whole computer setup was here. My computer is always open. I would always be checking emails. I was able to have 20 minutes. I could respond to something and get back to a client. So in some ways, I would say my productivity definitely shot up. I ended up working many more hours and having Zoom as part of a way of communicating with clients enabled them to get on a call with me, not just like, not just meeting with me during office hours, but like I would have meetings at seven o'clock at night with some people, which I'd never do in the past. So I think it just stretched time and made time. Very interesting. Yeah. You lose that natural start and stop to your day that you have when you're in an office environment. True. And for me, I think some people really need the structure of an office environment. I value complete quiet and concentration over the structure of an office. And I also, I found that I was so much more productive because of, you know, by the, when my kids went back to school, it was completely quiet in my home office, like completely quiet aside from a dog barking. That was really helpful for me. I also had the benefit of, you know, I have a really close connected work group of peep colleagues, and we were still able to collaborate. We collaborated via Zoom. We had our sales meetings via Zoom. And so I didn't feel so separate from people, which I think is also important. I think a lot of people love going in the office because of the structure. A lot of people also like it because of the social aspects of it and because of the connection aspects and the collaboration. I still feel like I had that. And I think that's by virtue of the fact that we're a close-knit group of people working together and we missed each other. Did you, again, only because we had chatted and you went on vacation, is it more or less interruption when you're on vacation in this higher intensity or availability communication with Zoom? Or is it still I can turn the computer off and I can get away from it just like I would have in the uh, pre-pandemic era? I don't think that's changed at all for me. I think that I'm always connected on my phone. You know, we're connected via email. I did not conduct any Zooms while I was recently on our first ever RV trip. We had <laughs> Wi-Fi on our campground, but I did not I did not conduct any Zoom meetings. I did check emails and anything that looked like it would be helpful if I responded. But I, I'm that person. I never 100% step away. But I think a big part of that is because I don't, I like what I do. I love who I work with. I I don't feel like I need such hard boundaries. Right. If I did, I would take them, but it happens to be that I it doesn't bother me to respond. So I don't think too much has changed for me in that in that way. I can tell you that while we were sitting on a you know around a campfire with our kids, my husband was on a Zoom call. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know what? Like, it's okay. Um, I think that people need to do what they need to do, and it allows you to do it if you have to. Dave, is your hair on fire, or are you around a campfire? <laughs> we, were, uh, we were around a campfire, and all of a sudden I realized, I think Dad's on a Zoom call right now. <laughs> That's great. I really appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us today. I mentioned to you how impressed I was that it, about a comment that you had made. And I don't know if you want me to end our conversation with it or if you want to repeat it. I'm happy. I think what you're referring to is time was a challenging time. And it frankly continues to be a challenging time. And 
I think that the way that I have viewed this experience is really kind of how I view every aspect of my life is that the effort is in our hands and the outcome is not. And we put in the effort however we can. Um, and then we kind of throw our hands in the air and you know let life happen. And uh, you know, some of these COVID keepers, these, you know, things like Zoom, the reasons why video conferencing worked really well and allowed us to up our connection and allowed us to create more meaningful relationships with people. Those things allowed us to, that's part of our effort is, is taking what we've been given and utilizing it to the best of our abilities. And beyond that, we say the outcome is not in our hands and we just, we let it, we let it go a little bit. So I think for me, that's been the way that I've looked at this entire. Well, well said. JT, anything? I'm inspired. I'm inspired. I'm inspired. <laughs> you know, uh, this is this is what I I love so much about you know people and Dina. You're a perfect example of it. We have one of the most challenging experiences of our lives, and we find positivity. We meet the challenges. Thank you very much. Love your COVID keepers. I'm going to quote you on that going forward. By the way, look forward to our next conversation. Thank Absolutely. You. Hopefully it won't be this time that we get together. Thanks. I look forward to it. Thanks, guys. No overstatement there, John. COVID keepers, what lessons learned from Dina? Wow. I, I, I love it when, as I said earlier, when someone takes a difficult situation, has a tragic situation, and figures out positives. Case of Dina, she coined COVID keepers. I love it. I'm going to quote that going forward, as I'm sure you will, and hopefully our listeners as well. Remember, it came from Dina. That's really, really good. Dina was the one uh, that had said to us in the recording, and you heard it toward the end, where the effort is in your hands, the results aren't. And I just thought that was terrific. Let's uh, move on to our next interview, which was with Robert Corcoran, and we'll hear from Robert some of his experiences through the challenges of COVID-19. Robert, thanks for joining us today to share your view from the summit of the last 18 months and the challenges working through COVID. Where do you want to where do you want to start, Robert? Well, Bill, first of all, thank you for inviting me. It's a privilege to be here with you. I've uh, I've been with Bill for geez, I started with Bill in 1992. So we've been through a lot of different eras since <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> the last, you know, he, he nurtured me through Y2K. We got through the dot-com bubble and now we're at COVID. And all three things have been a, those three phases have been dramatically different. This one being perhaps the most challenging because of the constraint of being able to be near people and be face-to-face -face with people, and yet business moves forward. So change is difficult, but change is also necessary. This was a, this was a huge adoption to different practices than I've ever had before. Well, why don't you give us a glimpse of, of some of the things that you experienced, and, and we'll just kind of fire away some questions to explore it a little. Well, when COVID hit, I think it was the 13th of March of 2020, I was in a new position with a company that was doing about $150 million in, in revenue and was really a, a hot company at the time and growing readily. This, this situation, nobody was prepared to stop going out and seeing people. So things kind of shut down 
for a week or two, and then internal communications began to develop. We were into the second quarter. We had numbers to to deliver, and out of nowhere came Zoom. And we had used Zoom sparingly before. We had used Teams, but we had to go out on meetings, and we had to contact people. And familiarizing ourselves with how to represent what we do and how we do it on Zoom took a little bit of a period of adjustment. And I would tell you that in a way it was, COVID was never a blessing, but the situation turned out to be a blessing in terms of the number of people we could reach, people that were very high level executives willing to take calls and opening up their doors to us that we hadn't had the the privilege of meeting them before. I learned a couple key facts. Keeping meetings to 25 minutes is better than than going long. You get more done and you get a second invite if you keep it under a half hour. Agreeing to people's time frame up front might seem like a common sense thing, but through this, people were really booking times back to back, keeping the meeting on track in terms of having an agenda, common sense type stuff, but really holding it tight. And then allowing that last five minutes to ask people if we accomplished what they hope to accomplish on the call. What are our next steps from their perspective? This is how we see the next steps. And then finally booking that next meeting to take this forward. And it it built up to over the second quarter, I wasn't hitting full stride, but I was probably doing 10 meetings a week. And then as we went into the as we went into the third quarter of the year, things got busy. And I was I was starting to do my normal 15 calls a week because the company changed the metrics by which we were being measured because we had so much time and availability that we set a 15 call a week minimum. Now, let's take a step back here and go from Zoom to how do you get those meetings during COVID? Because I think that's... Uh, that's really an important factor here of how you're you're booking things. Robert, this is JT here. You know, certainly change was inevitable. You know, you cited March 13th, 2020 as, as the day that <laughs> suddenly everybody was forced to change, not just you. And it certainly sounds like you embraced these changes and really, you know, took advantage of a bad situation. That also involved getting your customers to embrace change. And you mentioned how things steadily improved. You want to talk a little bit about how not only did you implement change, you've talked about some of the tools, but also how did you train your customers and teach your customers how to embrace those changes and tools? For the first month or so, it was very difficult getting meetings, but sending out an introductory email and letting them know that we were still working well, going through implementations in a remote fashion, great support for the product set, worked well. We also imprint a tool called Vidyard, and we found that to be very effective, and we sent that out through LinkedIn. It was the ability to send out a concise 30-second or less message about why you were reaching out to someone and the value you could bring to their organization. That really opened up doors because sending the video and having a face behind a message as to exactly why you were speaking with the person and having done research on them on Zoom and LinkedIn so you knew specifically what business problems they were trying to solve 
who they were and developing a connection with them helped to personalize an impersonal world of us all being at home. Interesting. It almost sounds as though the pandemic made you more efficient. I would tell you the pandemic has changed the way we're doing business and <laughs> that I don't think we'll ever go back. So yes, uh, through a very negative situation and an unfortunate I don't think companies are going to be spending the travel dollars, and I think our efficiency is is far better to being able to track our activities versus spending time in planes, trains, and automobiles. How much time were you spending before, Robert? Because as you said in a few minutes ago, we've been working together for a long time. I know you were a road warrior almost day in, day out before. How much time have you cut back your travel because of what lessons, opportunities you created. 100%. I no longer travel. And the the year before COVID, I did um, 156 flights. I did 105 nights at Marriott in multiple states. And uh, I got to tell you, this last year was just really one of the positives to come out of it was being around my, my children a heck of a lot more. Being at home, we got along really well together. And you hear people about this whole People breaking up relationships. I got to tell you, we we rather enjoyed being around each other, <laughs> and it it worked really well. And it's a it's a time as the boys are getting ready to leave for college. I'll treasure that time, but also just this uh, efficiency of being able to send out the messages we send. And in Q4 of last year, I did 268 face to face meetings with clients. I led the region in sales. Had some really, really nice wins opening up some new doors with accounts that continued to grow. So I've never done that number of meetings in a previous life. And with using these tools, it it wouldn't be possible. Some of the things that we did to differentiate ourselves and, and create interest was we took advantage of people being at home. We sponsored events. We had a chef from Del Frisco's that charged 2500 bucks to give a cooking lesson, and we sent Del Frisco steaks to the first 30 attendees that would come. It was a very targeted audience, so we sent them the provisions for the entire meal, including a bottle of red wine and a bottle of white wine with, with steaks, and then taught them from the executive chef how to prepare the meal and walk them through. And for that, they guaranteed us a 30-minute meeting with them to discuss what we were trying to do. And and the appeal of that was to keep it limited, a small group and it's first come first serve. So that when number 31 came along, it was limited and we will be hosting another event. So then more people signed up for our events page. And we followed that with, I don't drink, but we followed it with a whiskey tasting and had a company that was founded out of Philadelphia that that sent out a couple of different types of of whiskey legally to clients. And then we did a a partnership with another company and we did a whiskey tasting with them. And we all got- I remember you mentioning that to me when I was talking to you about our virtual conferencing issues. And I thought it was really a great idea, you know, from the chef thing to the tastings and stuff. How creative. I mean, how to keep it personal when you're doing things virtually. I've got to tell you, that's spectacular. And by the way, I do want to get onto your special events list. You know, it was <laughs> it was a heck of a lot of fun. We had a very creative marketing team, and we worked with uh, with resellers in the area. So we got audiences through them to senior executives, and it it was a heck of a lot of fun. We did a Mexican night, so we uh, 
we cooked Mexican food one evening and had them had all the provisions sent out to people and talked about the origin of the food and the, the fellow from Philadelphia, how he started his first restaurant. So they were really nice events and not particularly expensive to run, but very effective and yielded each one of them yielded a couple hundred thousand dollars in revenue for the company. So and that was restricted to 30 participants for the most part or each guests. One, each Yes, each one of them was restricted to 30 guests, and also they got each other's information for a connection, a peer connection for them, so that if they were in similar businesses to people, they had the contact information to reach out and meet their peers and find out what their peers were doing for solutions. So there was a a non-sales entity of a gaining a network when you're restricted and you're at home and you're meeting people you've never met before, but companies like Ace Insurance, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Philadelphia, Jefferson Hospital, University of Pennsylvania, big players. Nobody had a problem with the, you always hear, I can't accept something, a gift. Nobody had a problem with, because it was under zero obligation. So it wasn't tied to a sales event. It was tied to just getting to know you afterwards for 30 minutes. JT, you have anything to say before we uh, say so long? For the well, moment. Robert, I just wanted to thank, you know, I'm sure our audience is going to find this inspirational. I particularly have found this to be very, very inspiring. It's the silver linings that we take away from situations like COVID that really, really make a difference in this world. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, JT. Bill, thank you very much. Always, always. We look forward to seeing you next time. Wow. What do you think about vineyard, whatever that is? Between that and the whiskey tasting, (laughs) what unique ways to connect with your your clients? Really have to compliment Robert on being able to, again, much like in a take tragic, difficult situation and turn it into a positive situation, communicate customers and clients. It's almost like, this is going to sound really weird, it's like my mother is talking to me saying, see, there's a silver lining, (laughs) or uh, somebody else saying, well, that's an example of how you make lemonade out of lemons. It's just like every one of these little colloquial expressions that we've heard of, these two sales leaders figured out how to prove. You're absolutely right. If you look at it properly, there is an advantage, there's leverage in almost anything that initially looks like a negative. Once again, an example of the reason old sayings become old sayings. <laughs> they must, they sure. must work. Uh, Gosh. Well, they're Charter Summit Club Business Roundtable members. You can get more details about Robert and Dina by going to summitclubpodcast.com. Just hit the guest button and you'll see their bios with their contact. Any comments or suggestions, leave them on the website at talk at summitclubpodcast.com. It's right on the landing page in the top at the center. So for Bill Stats and John Fain, thanks. And until next time, keep climbing. And John and I will see you at the summit. To learn more about the Summit Club podcast, please find us online at www.summitclubpodcast.com. Thanks for listening to the Summit Club podcast, and we'll see you at the top.